Hello and welcome to Queen V, the life of Queen Victoria. My name is Donnie Hazel and I am your host. If you wish to support this podcast, there will be a link provided for you in the show details and it will be very much appreciated as it goes to help support the cost of maintaining the podcast and our website. With that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Queen V, the life of of Queen Victoria. And first this hour, Prince Albert's about to stage a grand exhibition, complete with a gigantic new building. But at what cost to his health? Imogen Stubbs stars in Juliet Hayes' serial based on the diaries and the letters of the young Victoria. Prince Albert is given to making fine speeches. He would have us embrace his idea of a great exhibition which would demonstrate the realisation of the unity of mankind. Somerset House and Leicester Square are deemed too small to house such a venture. The Prince says it must embrace foreign productions. It will be the first international exhibition ever held. But there is great sadness. Sir Robert Peel died after a riding accident. And Albert is much preoccupied by this news. The 9th of July, 1850. My poor dear Albert, who had been so fresh and well when we came back from Ireland, looks so pale and fagged again. He has felt and feels Sir Robert's death dreadfully. Will the day come, my dearest, when I am not weighed down with the loss of such good friends? First George Anson, 37 is no age. And so, Robert... So much grief is difficult to bear. I have no enthusiasm for the great exhibition. It's as if my dream has turned into a nightmare. I hadn't envisaged such opposition for one thing, and I'm presented with difficulties every single day. You mustn't give in, my dearest Albert. And you won't. It's not part of your nature. In any case, there has been a change of heart... The powers that be are quite enthusiastic again. Sir Robert's demise has pricked the conscience of Parliament. He was always so eager for the exhibition to go ahead and to succeed. Oh, then I cannot let him down. But there are still insurmountable problems. You'll think of something. I have the utmost faith in your ingenuity and genius. Well, Paxton, what do you make of it all? I'm very honoured to be invited to this trial session of the House of Commons. It's not often a lowly voter receives such an invitation from his Member of Parliament. You are here, my dear fellow, as a revered architect and designer. So, do you like it? Do you think it a worthy building? Like everyone else, I wanted the Commons to be as it was before the fire. Nevertheless, it is a fine achievement. But not to your taste, eh? Perhaps the great exhibition building would be more of a challenge to you. That's already in hand, surely. I thought that the Prince had consulted Cubitt. Uh, but you've no idea the pandemonium and fuss. Hyde Park has been decided on as the venue. <laughs> Sacred ground. And no one shall touch a blade of grass, it would seem, or pull down a single tree. It's impossible. The committee is dead its hair out. And when it's all over, the whole building has to be pulled down. It's a white elephant, Paxton. A waste of taxpayers' money. Hmm. Is there someone I could speak to? I might just... Let's say I could have the answer to the problem. Mr. Paxton delivered a set of drawings to the committee. The exhibition building, over a third of a mile in length, was to be constructed principally in glass. 
Any trees within the structure would be enclosed, not cut down. <laughs> Imagine the derision. They would have the whole thing torn up had I not recalled Chatsworth House and that wonderful conservatory. Together, Mr. Paxton and I tried to convince the committee of the viability of the plans. They would not be moved. However, Mr. Paxton offered his drawings to the Illustrated London News, and there was instant admiration. Punch ridiculed the design and called it the Crystal Palace. The name seems to have stuck. Building work is at last in progress, but it is not without controversy. The Queen's uncle, the King of Hanover, warned Frederick William IV that it would be unsafe to attend this rubbishy exhibition because the excommunicated of all lands would be in London. Ministers will not allow the Queen and the originator of this folly, Prince Albert, to be in London while the exhibition is on. It will collapse in a gale and it is regarded as the second Tower of Babel. Will the Crystal Palace be made of real crystal? No, little pussy. Glass. But it will sparkle nonetheless. And break. Boys will throw stones and it will all come crushing down. Oh, nonsense, Bertie. My soldiers and the police force will be on permanent guard. Woe betide any foolish boy who breaks a single pane. This is Papa's greatest achievement. <laughs> and you will let us see it when it's open, won't you? You did promise. You and Bertie will be there at our sides when Mama opens the exhibition. <laughs> I want to do and see whatever I choose. You will do what you are told. But can we see everything? You won't rush us away. That will depend on your behaviour. Yes, Mama. From this moment. <laughs> <laughs> now go to the nursery. Papa needs to rest. <laughs> They get so overexcited. Oh, Vicky will keep Bertie in order. She's so sensible. Rest a little, my dearest. You look exhausted. With worry and anticipation. All is well. It looks magnificent. And it will withstand even the strongest winds. I am concerned more than anything for your safety, my dearest. There is a rising public concern after the attempt. I shall not sit at home because two wretched creatures took it upon themselves to make an end of me. The Queen must be there, at her husband's side. Most proud to be at her beloved husband's side. The 30th of April, 1851. Everyone is occupied with the great day and afternoon. All day, some question or other, or some difficulty, all of which my beloved one takes with the greatest quiet and good temper. The noise and bustle even greater than yesterday as so many preparations are being made for the seating of the spectators, and there is certainly still much to be done. I do feel proud at the thought of what my beloved Albert's great mind has conceived. My hand is quite stiff with so much waving. Now these people have been waiting all night. Somewhere here yesterday to get a good view. Oh, isn't it exciting? Oh, just look, Bertie. The sun has come out and the Crystal Palace is glistening. We are arriving in Queen's weather. Did you know that, children? No, whenever Mama arrives, absolutely anywhere, the rain always stops and the sun shines. The Queen's weather. Oh, I do like that, Mama. And I wouldn't want my new lace dress to get wet. You both look quite splendid. Full Highland dress suits you very well, Bertie. In fact, you are both entirely grown up. And I know that you will behave impeccably, Bertie. Y yes, Mama. 
Now make sure you, you each have a catalogue. You will need to refer to it. The earth is the Lord's and all that therein is. That is the exhibition motto. And very fitting. The 1st of May, 1851. This day is one of the greatest and most glorious days of our lives, with which, to my pride and joy, the name of my dearly beloved Albert is forever associated. I never saw Hyde Park look as it did, being filled with crowds as far as the eye could reach. Outside, all the princes were standing. In a few seconds, we proceeded, Albert leading me, having Vicky at his hand, and Bertie holding mine. The sight as we came to the centre, where the steps and chair on which I did not sit was placed, facing the beautiful crystal fountain, was magic and impressive. The tremendous cheering, the joy expressed in every face, the vastness of the building, with all its decorations and exhibits, the sound of the organ, with 200 instruments and 600 voices, which seemed nothing and my beloved husband, the creator of this great peace festival, uniting the industry and art of all nations of the earth. All this was indeed moving, and a day to live forever. God bless my dearest Albert, and my dear country which has shown itself great today. What a magical day! Aren't you both proud of your dearest papa? So, so proud. 293,655 panes of glass. <laughs> Heavens, Bertie, if only you would remember your lessons half as well. <laughs> oh, it all went so smoothly. No disorder, no fuss of any sort. It's such a relief. Yes, I, I think I might sleep well tonight. I shan't sleep. It's all been so exciting. And the crowds will keep us awake, won't they? Well, you show no signs of going home. It reminds me so much of the coronation. Oh, except for the little Chinaman. He was very colourful. <laughs> he put on his best ceremonial robes, and it was thought he must be an emissary from the Celestial Kingdom. Which was why he was placed between the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Duke of Wellington, I suppose. <laughs> it transpired that he is actually the proprietor of a junk moored on the Thames. <laughs> we were all in fancy dress. I'm not really a Highlander. Am I, Papa? You are entitled to wear whatever I wish. Now, Bertie, it is long past your bedtime. Papa and I have to dress for the grand ball. Oh, how I wish I could see your gown, Mama. No. You may kiss us good night. <laughs> Today has been altogether too much for you both. Good night, my little pussy. Your Papa is very proud of his son and daughter. Good night, dearest Mama. Dearest Papa. <laughs> I am so glad that you are pleased, my beloved wife. Pleased? I am so delighted and curious that I intend to visit the Crystal Palace several times a week until it closes. The great exhibition has taken its toll, I fear. I have suffered many bouts of stomach pains and cramps, which must in part be due to the unrelenting strain placed upon me. As I look in the mirror, I see a balding, rather paunchy, old man... And I am not yet 33 years old. So be it. There is much to do. 
The Crystal Palace has been sold for £70,000 and moved to a place called Sydenham in Kent. Together with the £200,000 surplus from the exhibition, there is a substantial amount for the creation of a collection of museums of science and nature and art galleries on a site in South Kensington. That would be my greatest dream, to provide an environment that would enlighten and entertain the people of this great nation. But I am unwell. Thank heavens for Balmoral, which we have acquired as our highland retreat. I have redesigned the castle and building starts quite soon. The clear air and perfect peace will help restore my wretched bad health. It is tradition that we have to set claim to the site of our new home. Each of us must choose a stone and build a cairn. I want to reach the top of Cray Cairn before anyone else. Oh, the stags must wonder at such a colourful party invading their peace. <laughs> oh, Albert, I am so happy to be here. The purchase of Balmoral has lifted my spirits to such heights. I would choose to stay here forever. Uh, some of the ladies in waiting find it too bracing. Altogether too cold. Oh, what nonsense. Cold, fresh air cures all ills. I look at the roses in your cheeks. You're so much better. Do Scottish people always have this ceremony, Papa? I believe so. We should be drinking whiskey to celebrate. According to the custom... And we should dance, too. No, not before you place the very last stone, my beloved. Oh, it's not so easy. There. It is done. Three cheers for the cairn. Hip, hip. Hurrah! Hip, hip. Hurrah! Hip, hip. Hurrah! Was there ever such happiness? Thank you for listening to this episode of Queen Bee, The Life of Queen Victoria. Remember, if you would like to support this podcast, you can look in the show description notes to find a link. Thank you, and have a great day.